You're listening to the Water in Real Life podcast, the podcast for people who want to become better leaders by becoming better communicators. Why? Because those who tell the stories rule the world. We're your hosts, the H2 duo, Stephanie Corso and Ariane Shipley. So without further ado, let's get to the show. We are so excited to be here today with uh, a fan favorite, actually, of someone else that we've interviewed before who said, you have to talk to Karen. We are here with Karen Riley with WSCC. She first splashed into the water sector seven years ago after landing on the government relations team at WSSC Water. Since then, she has emerged as a key voice on the sector's role in in leveraging its widespread impact in community engagement and equitable economic development, which, as you know, we are fan faves of. With a historic investment in infrastructure funding, Karen is dedicated to expanding the reach that these dollars will have in communities by ensuring that alongside equitable infrastructure design and development, the funding will support equitable economic and social design by keeping investment in the communities. So, Karen, so excited to have you here today. So excited. Thank you. I'm excited to be here too. So this is my first um, podcast. Um, We are honored that you would turn down everyone else who's ever offered it and choose us first. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Well, get ready because just in the brief conversation that we got to have in preparation for this chat, uh, you're probably going to get invited to speak on more podcasts and present it more (laughs) At more conferences, so get ready. Yep. Oh, <laughs> Clear your calendar. Yep. Clear it up. Yeah. Open well, up I'm ready to worms. I'm ready to start traveling again. So, you know, if that includes that, I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'm well, going to let Ariane kick us off. Yeah. So first things first. Uh, every time I say that, I think of the, the song, first things first. I'm the realist. You know that. <laughs> First no, that's first. Of my head. <laughs> yeah. I won't rap though because I yeah. can't. I'm awful at it. <laughs> um, did you choose water or did water choose you? Water chose me. And I, I think that like most I, I don't want to say most because you know I, I've I've learned that particularly those who are our are, are civil engineer buddies um chose water water as part of their course of study, but for those of us who are non-STEAM, STEM, technical, non-technical folks, I think sometimes we just land in, in it. Um, you may start off broader with like environmental policy. I didn't even do that. I, I of course, started off with more of the economic policy part of it. Mm. So what are definitely chose me um, and and I'm I'm thrilled to be here. I mean, I th- I'll be honest in saying this is probably the longest I've been with any company before any organization before it just because it's it's so much to do and so much passion behind it so water definitely chose me I love yes. that <laughs> I, I love that when we initially chat um when we initially spoke you said I used to be like everyone else where I never thought about it didn't know anything never about it, it. Mm-hmm. and uh, and here you are just here. moving and grooving yeah. seven <laughs> years right seven years seven years yep Working with the uh, amazing, amazing Carla Reed. I mean, what a, yeah. what an amazing boss. I mean, I, it, it's it's been so inspirational. I actually was in the office today meeting with her. Um, so you know, to have her not only as the CEO of the organization and and have that reporting relationship, but she is really one of the pillars of the water community, especially for women, especially for Black women. Um, to have that access and that mentorship has caused me to grow in amazing 
professional ways. Absolutely. I, so, I can't so I'm very hear. lucky. I can't hear Water Me by Lizzo without thinking of her <laughs> dancing on stage at this Women of Water conference. It's, it's on my playlist because of her. Yeah, that, that's her. And I had never actually heard of that, heard that song either until she did that. And I'm like, how do you know about it? I'm supposed <laughs> to be the cool one, you know? <laughs> right? <laughs> that's funny. Well, like many of us in municipal life, you wear a lot of hats. And I know some of that even includes external advocacy, but break down your role for us and kind of lay out all your hats, your hat collection. (laughs) So I think, you know, if if you have a organization like mine or a department like mine in the organization like WSSC Water, it's you have the internal and the external function. So just by title and, and, and my duties is I'm the chief advocate for WSSC Water. I represent um, the organization and my colleagues in front of our elected government and business and community stakeholders. Um, And I take a lot of pride in that because it's not just a policy. It's there are people behind that policy. I do take personal offense when I feel that people are attacking my colleagues across all lines because they work so hard. And especially during this, this COVID period, you just seen our front line, you know, out. They didn't stop. They didn't get to go home. They didn't get to telework or anything like that. So I find immense joy and pride in, in doing that, um, making sure that policies, and, and it's not just for us, weather policy or environmental policy. We deal with contracts. We deal with torts. We deal with everything. Um, I have an amazing, amazing team. We're small but mighty. We deal with over 200 legislators from the municipal, county, state, and federal levels. Um, And so that is something that we do externally facing is making sure we're championing um, WSSC water and making sure that we're promoting and advocating for policies that will help us do our job more efficiently. But also how we, we try to educate. I think that you find people in a role in the water sector who are in government relations or policy. We have such a challenging time educating people mm. on what water is and what we do and the importance of it and aligning it um, with what we do. Um, on the internal part, I, I serve pretty much as an internal consultant to my colleagues because my goal is to help them navigate their projects and their, their processes through the external world um, with as little feedback as or little problems as possible. So I am that person on our senior and executive leadership teams who asks a lot of questions, who challenges um, to say, okay, what are we doing this for? You know, or, you know, okay, this is a great idea. And I think we should position it like this, or we should, these are some questions um, that we need to have answers for. So I have that kind of dual role um, within the organization. I, I've learned more about construction and engineering <laughs> than I ever, ever wanted to know. My dad is an architect, a retired architect. And I'm like, daddy, you know, da, 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 da. and he's like, how do you know this? I'm like, I have no clue. I, right. I went to law school. I don't know why I know this. <laughs> yep. You know, so that's that's my role in a kind of a nutshell. When you said tort, that reminded me that your background is actually in law. And so in your in your bio, I forgot to it's Karen A. Riley Esquire. Esquire. You are the second, only the second Esquire I've ever known next to George oh. Hawkins. So I said, okay, Esquire. <laughs> Had to make sure that I got that out. But thank you. <laughs> yes, yes. You work hard for those 
those things that come after our names when yeah. in our professional world, <laughs> comma, whatever, three letters. Right. Yeah. yeah. Learn those. But I love, you know, that you broke that down because you seem to cover all the bases internally. Community. What, are, what does everybody else do? If you do yeah, all that, yeah. you know? <laughs> come on, share your role, girl. <laughs> they, they let me, they let me fuss at them about, you know, why we're doing things or what we need to do. So that's, that's what we do. I always, yeah. I tell people that, um, everyone says, oh, you know, you're political acumen. And I'm like, eh, I'm probably better with business <laughs> than politics a lot of times because you're always trying to organize and help people um, get through things. Yeah. I mean, I dig that. I love that 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 is a key piece of your role is that internal piece, because I feel like so often that that's an area where people forget they need somebody that's asking those hard questions. They need somebody who has your role with that eye of how projects are being positioned so that they get the support that they need. And we were actually just observing a public meeting where some members of the public that were on this, uh, it was a virtual. So on this call were just so, you know, like we do, we just observe virtual meetings on the ring. Yeah. That's just <laughs> what we do for fun. You know, that's some people took up sourdough bread during the pandemic. We like, took up going to public meeting. Public meeting. Yeah. So I just saw so if I see you all pop up in one of our virtual meetings, I shouldn't be yeah. concerned. Okay. Yeah. Just, no. you know, being nosy Nancy's over here. Yeah, just observing and learning. But, you know, there were some members of the public who were really frustrated about the siloed approach that the city appeared to be taking uh, on this particular project. And just with your background, I thought it'd be really cool to hear what are some of the ways that you think government, and I'm using air quotes, in this case, I mean, municipal government, because that's what I know. um, What are some ways that you think that we get in our own way sometimes? And what are your thoughts on that siloed approach that we so often Mm -hmm. seem to get ourselves into? So um, one part of my background, too, is I'm a former assistant city manager for a city over here in um, Maryland. And you know, I remember interviewing for WSSC Water and they said, well, have you ever heard of us? And I'm a native Prince Georgian and Prince George's County is one of the um, counties that um, we serve. And I was the assistant city manager for New Carrollton, Maryland, which is in Prince George's County. And I remember saying to them, I said, yeah, you all just came and started tearing up our streets without um, saying anything. So we were getting called by, from neighbors and, you know, it wasn't a really proactive or pleasant experience. And I think that and I will say this, I have to say this, when Carla became CEO, um, I joined her leadership team about a year after working at WSOC Water. That was something she wanted to do was like, you know, we heard certain complaints. I think that in order for municipal organizations or any government organization, you have to take the feedback that you're getting seriously. Mm. I think that a lot of times we're too quick because if you've worked in a certain space, Um, for so long, you understand the inner workings and you understand why something is happening. But if we haven't fully educated or communicated that in a good way to the people that is impacting and they're complaining, we can't dismiss their complaint. You know, not everyone knows that um, something is supposed to happen at a certain temperature or that our procurement process is a certain time frame. Not everyone understands that. And we can't just assume that people will get it, right? And I think it's especially challenging for the water sector. And something that I do see that not only WSSC Water, but other water organizations run into because we are forgotten, 
Um, we're usually lumped in with the private energy sector and they have mm-hmm. dollars that they can spend differently because they can move differently. Yeah. Um, that people don't have a frame of reference for what a utility or a certain type of municipal government, or even if it's an energy company, that's a municipal subdivision. Um, they don't have that frame of reference. And they're, if they're comparing it, it's, you know, kind of like the apples and oranges things. And it, I think education and communication is really, really important mm. um, in order to kind of knock down that side silo. You always have to be in a continuous feedback loop, right? Um, I think that one of the things that my team does is we will go ask our elected official. We have we have our people, of course, you know, and like, okay, what do you think about that? And they're like, mm-hmm. you can't do this because this, this, this. Or I think this is a good idea, but what about this? Why aren't you all doing this? And so we try to bring that back to influence how our strategy and how our, how we're moving, you know, with our our colleagues and our organization. So I think that if you want to bring, break a silo, um, and it's going to be so incredibly important with this upcoming infrastructure investment in the water sector. Mm. Um, I think that people need to be very keen on um, what the feedback loop looks like. Yeah. I mean, basically the lawyer just said it, y'all. So, <laughs> you know, she said it. I'm the reformed attorney. I just like, <laughs> I'm a reformed attorney. <laughs> I always tease people. They're like, oh, I can. I'm like, oh, who, who are you asking? I have to practice. The, you know, I do. I, I do. I do pro bono estate planning. There you work. go. Okay. So that's, that's as good as we get, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you speak the, you know, and speak the lingo, which I think is the yeah. most, I mean, that in itself is yeah. gold. I mean, yeah, that's what I was like, kind of without saying it, like, it's amazing to have someone in your position with your credentials sitting on the other side saying communication, education, outreach, feedback loop, two-way street, you know, you're just like, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> yeah. And that, but it's it's difficult. I mean, I think all of us can admit that it's difficult when you have been in a position of doing things a certain way, mm-hmm. and and you're yeah. being told no, we we have to do, and because you like I say, you're so used to it. And sometimes I catch myself having again been there for seven years. And I'm like, how come you all don't know this? And I'm like, oh wait. And then I see something like new each week. I'm like, what? Really? I thought I know, you know, I thought I've seen it all, but you know, it's, it's, it's just one of those things. Um, I always tell the story of when we have, we had, this is a, an election year for us here in the state of Maryland. <sighs> Pray for us. We have a lot of changes coming in. Our, our top three offices in the state and then like two of our county councils, it's just going to be massive change. But Back in 2018, when we had elections, uh, my staff and I did um, dossiers like for each elected official mm-hmm. to see what their issues were, what mm-hmm. their platform was. Um, only one person, and I say we work with uh, about 200 elected officials, only one person mentioned water mm-hmm. specifically. So they um, talked about environment and climate change. They talked about um education, of course. They talked about um, jobs and housing. Um, They talked about health. But we failed to realize and, you know, we have failed to really communicate that what we do in the weather sector impacts all of that. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad to see the conversation happening more. Mm -hmm. Um, But like with my background in economic development, you don't 
get jobs. You don't get organizations coming anywhere if mm-hmm. there is no water. Mm-hmm. You know, so we have to have start framing the conversation like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had this um, advocacy campaign I came back up with, which is this one drop, which means water policy is also public health policy, as we've seen with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in, in the conversations, of course, around improper sewer um, that you, you see in different parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, it's economic development, you know, jobs created by the water sector. I, I mm-hmm. think that WSSC, I, I commissioned the first economic impact report for WSSC a few years ago, and it's for every dollar invested in our capital budget, I think it's $2.78 comes back to the community. And for every dollar in our operating budget, it's about a $1.30 that comes back to our community. Nice. That translates to jobs. That mm-hmm. translates to money being circulated throughout the community. Um, you have, of course, environmental um, justice. And of course, you have social justice. You know, how are people able to get into um, access to water? You know, I always tell people, the importance of water, it was made clear to me when I first started. You can live without energy. You can live without electricity. You can live without gas. If you live without water, we take your children from you. Mm-hmm. Your home mm-hmm. is condemned. Yeah. You know, and that's that's huge. Yeah. yeah. And um, so it, it sometimes disturbs me that um, people don't get the importance of it. Mm-hmm. But it's hard because it's always there. We're in a we're in America, you know, we, if you have ever had the opportunity to visit countries that don't have the on-demand access that we have, mm-hmm. it's a lot different. Yeah. Or the well, parts of America that don't have that on-demand access or absolutely, yeah, there are those. And then, you know, I keep talking about, I feel like in every podcast, these little towns around even my hometown, mm-hmm. it just was so in my face mm-hmm. and reminded that, you know, today I was on a call and there's no, ho- no no other resident, no one can move in mm-hmm. because there's no home because there's no water meters available. Wow. So we have no opportunity for growth, zero opportunity wow. for growth. Mm-hmm. And every time someone passes away or moves out is the only time someone can come in and use the, you know, live and use the, you know, services in that town. And I'm like, I mean, thankfully there's a lot of resources out there. And mm-hmm. I think that's where the, t- the tide is about to turn because people are understanding mm-hmm. there are resources and we're connecting people with those or mm-hmm. organizations with those. And, you know, it's, there's a lot of opportunity in the coming future of, of changing all of that, but you got to be ready for it. You got to be open. You have to, to be it. ready. Yeah. And you have to, you know, think that some communities, like my mother grew up in the segregated South. She grew up in Virginia. And um, in speaking with my grandmother, I, I used to live in the Richmond area and had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with my grandmother as an adult um, and just listen to even some of the conversations she had about, you know, water access and mm-hmm. outhouses and things of that nature. And I'm like, I'm talking to this person. Like, it's not that I'm reading it mm-hmm. or, you know, and then how water was designed and the, and the um, infrastructure was designed when you skirted past the black neighborhoods until there was just widespread social change and civil unrest and seeing how that continues on today, you know, and you have the economic impact, the socioeconomic impact in communities like you're referencing, you know, and when you are struggling and the communities are small and you're like, we don't have money for this. What, what do you say? But it's so critical Mm -hmm. um, to buildings up the other parts of that economic culture and that economic climate mm-hmm. 
and it's it's not recognized. And I, you know, again, I'm I'm hoping that with this investment, that is something. That's why when I talk about equitable um, impact of this historic infrastructure investment in the water and wastewater sector, those are the pieces that will flow from it. Mm. Yeah. Um, before that was I let, a nice pun. That was yeah. <laughs> Before I let uh, Ariane hop in with the next, I just have to say, I hope everybody goes back and listens to the piece where you talked about the the dollar, yeah. the dollar amount that comes back to the community. You know, there's mm-hmm. all this talk about the value of water and so much of that gets focused on, tell them how much it costs to treat it. Tell them how much it costs to maintain it. But no, I mean, yes, and tell them how much value and jobs and, and economic development and growth Mm-hmm. that the water utility brings back mm-hmm. to the community. Like that's what's really impactful. And that's what people care about is to tie it back to those things. So that was an amazing point to bring out. And I hope that everyone rewind and go listen to that part again yeah. and figure out whatever that dollar amount is for your, for your community and tell people about it. And again, Karen, we just opened up a can of worms. You might have just received a bunch of emails that says, tell me, tell me that formula on that spreadsheet, how you did that. Oh yeah, they, they will be asking, yeah, for your formula. Yeah. I'll pass them to the appropriate people because it certainly did not come from me. My undergrad degree is in English. I cannot help them with that. Yeah. Word doc all day. Okay, spreadsheet, yeah. no. No. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, as you know, we, we interviewed Hugh Sinclair, the yes. Hugh Sinclair. Yes, amazing, oh amazing Hugh. Yes. And he, you know, so he, when he kind of said, hey, you need to, you need to speak to someone, you know, he said, you have to speak to Karen. And we were like, done. Okay, done. Yes. <laughs> that list. Thanks, and- Hugh. I'll be forwarding <laughs> emails to you. Yeah. <laughs> Love, hate you for that, huh? Right. (laughs) And as you know, Hugh, he's very passionate about utilities, taking more of that service-minded approach versus the product-minded business model approach. And, you know, after talking to you a little bit, you know, we feel like y'all have probably discussed that before (laughs) um, once or twice, but we'd like to know what your thoughts are on that because you might bring a little bit different perspective. So I, I think that we still, at the end of the day, we do have a product and that product is something that people pay for. And so because it is something that's being paid for, you have to incorporate that service mentality um, and that service approach. And, and that's when, you know, when you asked me the question about the silos um, at the beginning and, the, you know, my answer for that is because you still have customers and it's really, really critical and important to recognize that our water customers, even though they may not be able to get water from another source, they are customers and we have to, we have to, you know, plan for what they are, what their expectations are. Um, and when we can't meet those expectations, we have to explain why we can't meet those expectations. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that, you know, and, and of course you and I debate all the time because <laughs> we don't always see eye to eye. I mean, I think we're on the same page, like, 95% of the time, another 5%, we're just randomly debating, you know, like you walk into my office and we're like, like standing there. And I know my staff is looking like, oh Lord, not again, <laughs> not again. but, um, you know, so I, I do agree with that in a sense. Um, I think that for me, and, and this is something that he and I um, have discussed is just the changing usage of water. 
and what is changing expectation of water. And it was changing pre-COVID. COVID exasperated it. So um, we have this conversation pre-COVID, water usage is down because of water conservation. And again, that's our role as um, protectors of environmental health. We want to encourage water conservation, right? But when you have a service area that's growing in the D.C. area in Prince George of Montgomery County, we are the two most populous counties in the state. Um, we are growing. We're constantly building infrastructure to support these new homes and things of that nature. But because of conservation, water usage is down. But our infrastructure hasn't changed size. It hasn't changed me. So here we are, you know, now post-COVID, how we work, how we um, how we move is different because people are teleworking now. So our largest clients, our business um, clients, our office buildings, people are not there using as much water. Mm-hmm. So you now have to start emphasizing more of the service mm-hmm. um, because the product, even though it's still being produced, it's not as much product. Mm-hmm. So. Mm. so it's that it's that balance and and I think that everybody's still struggling to figure it out and it's going to look different for each utility but Mm -hmm. um everyone is probably going to encounter that challenge at some point Mm -hmm. yeah so COVID put Mm -hmm. a financial strain on uh, everyone utilities were were no exceptions uh and so rates coupled with affordability concerns dominating the water sector water cooler topics right now, even more than they were before the pandemic really um, escalated. So can you share some lessons learned related to rates or rate structuring and affordability from the community outreach and engagement standpoint? Because I think y'all have been doing an amazing job at at that feedback loop that you talked about. Mm -hmm. So um, let me just start off by saying WSSC Water was really devastated by the COVID um, impact. Um, We have doubled our past due accounts. We're at $70 million about. Mm -hmm. Um, Pre-pandemic, we would average about 30, 35 million, but, and it was so quick. Um, It wasn't like, you know, we gradually, I mean, it was gradual, but it was like 30, 40, 50, here we, you know, um, over a matter of months. Um, So because of our financial stewardship in the past, we were, we've been able to navigate the storm, but it hasn't come without a lot of pain. Um, We've been cutting, I think over the past two fiscal years, the number is about $130 million that we've had to cut. That means deferred maintenance. That means, you know, delays in capital projects. That means things that need to get done. And if they don't get done, we're going to have a challenge. Um, Our rates, the challenge we're having is that we have a certain amount of money that we need. And because we're in, you know, hard economic times, our budget is approved by the two county councils, the Prince George's and Montgomery. They have to come together and approve our budget. Wow. So our commission, yeah. So our commissioners Ooh. don't approve our budget. We make a recommendation and the county councils, you know, and they are, I would say their process is great. They each have a team that works exclusively on our budget. And I mean, it, it, you know, but again, this becomes that kind of education. This is where we do struggle sometimes, not sometimes we do struggle um, and still, still trying to educate our stakeholders and our consumers on what you know what is necessary to run a water utility and how much it costs. 
dealing again with some of the things that are out of our control, inflation, the logistics yeah. challenges. When you talked about meters not being available, well, from what I understand, they're difficult to come by because of logistics anyway, you know, along with my pieces of furniture that will not be here until April and July. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, so that is a, a huge challenge. I think that WSSC's case is a, a case study when we did our our restructure back in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, the communications was amazing. Right. We were having community meetings, town halls. We engaged every part of our organization um, in terms of our education. So we were able to collapse our rates um, again in a certain way. We went from like a 16 tier system to a four tier system. Yeah. And it took a lot of, you know, again, customer engagement, um, customer service and relations, communications. I mean, it was just all working. And that's how utilities get things done. Um, again, working with our elected officials to say, this is what's going to happen. This is how it ends up, you know? So we were very successful in doing that. I think WSSC Water from is on set. One of the things I love, one of the reasons I love working there and I, I love my colleagues there. We have always been committed to affordability, making things affordable. So I guess around almost 30 years ago, WSSC Water employees started the WSSC Water Fund, um, which is administered through the Salvation Army. Um, and it helps those who are our most vulnerable customers. A few years back, we really delved deep into launching our customer assistance program. We were one of the first water utilities in the country to do that, where we're again working in partnership with our Office of Home Energy Programs. Um, to administer that those funds to again our customers who need them the most. Um, when COVID hit, I was actually heading up a task force to look at how we can increase our um, ability to service our customers who were experiencing hardship, whether it was a temporary hardship or somebody who just you know again that vulnerable population. So we took some concrete measures such as increasing the amount of money people could get from the water fund, um, making sure our payment plans were more flexible so that people could access payment plans a lot easier. So we did a lot. And again, you know, this is where I emphasize we're doing it on our own dime. Mm -hmm. So the monies that have passed recently for the low income housing um, water census program from the federal level are going to be wonderful for us. And it's something that I hope, I really hope our elected officials take heed of and really promote and make this a sustained investment because we're asking what are utilities a lot of times to do these things on our own. Mm -hmm. Um, And we do it because we understand, again, the importance of what water means to a person, what water means to a community. I mean, I have colleagues who have pulled out their own credit cards Mm -hmm. to pay people's outstanding water bills. And that's not just unique to WSSC water that happens at water agencies throughout the country. But I mean, that's what we know it to be. So, you know, with the rates and and again, this goes back to that communication and that that feedback loop, Um, you know, and a lot of times we do the best we can. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it falls on deaf ears, right? Um, so it's just challenging. Um, and it's it's a, it's a commentary we all talk about throughout the community when we're in our 
other meetings, like, okay, are you all having this problem? They're like, yeah, you know? Um, So I I think that um, that's really critical for like, when we talk about our investment and things of that nature. For sure. Awesome. Well, let's talk, uh, let's close on this um, conversation um, with the topic of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, you're widely involved with these efforts in the water sector. And I believe you sit on the WEF DEI board. Um, committee. It's a committee. Committee. Oh, committee. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> committee. Sorry. Um, so, what do you see the industry doing well, and where can we continue to do better? So, the industry, what we're doing well is we're having the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when the Brookings Institute report came out a few years ago, yeah. it was just shocking um, to me. Someone like me, again, I'm working in the counties and in an area where there is more diversity. I mean, you see it even yeah. within the organization, but it's not as stark as when I first went to Web Tech and looked around and said, <laughs> okay, yeah. like what, <laughs> yeah. what's happening here? So I think that having a conversation, I think that... Um, you know, at least broaching the subject because it's going to be difficult. It is a highly politically charged conversation for yeah. some inane reason, yeah. but it is what it is, you know, so we have to navigate through that. Mm-hmm. What I would want to see done now are, are a couple of things. And, um, you know, I hope that if the people who are listening, who are, are committed to this and working on this really kind of take heed to this. Um, The first thing is um, we talk a lot about recruitment into the sector and that's important. Um, I am a proud alumna of a historically black university, Hampton University. I have to give it a shout out because Mm -hmm. Carla and Q went to Howard, which is our (laughs) biggest rival. Um, Yes. My parents and my sister also went to Howard. So I always shout out my alma mater, Hampton. Um, (laughs) But I think that, you know, that's the start when you're looking at um, HBCUs and other minority serving institutions. over at, at WEF, Ipatai over there created the yes. inflow program, which was is phenomenal. Um, and she certainly does not get the credit she deserves for that, that brainchild, but she she led that, and that's amazing. Um, I think that's important, but you also have to have a conversation about retention. Mm-hmm. You know, how are you working within your organizations? You know, when we look at our water sector associations, are we reflecting what we're trying to champion? You know. So those are conversations that need to be had. Another thing is we're putting a lot of the onus on the utilities to diversify. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to say private sector consultants need to step up in a meaningful way and do that as well, because they are going to be the ones who are receiving the money. Mm-hmm. The utilities are going to be paying consultants to help and <laughs> contractors to help put this in place. Yeah. And so they have a corporate responsibility mm-hmm. to make sure that they're infusing the DEI conversation in a meaningful way, not just putting a position in place. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen so many DEI roles pop up um, and that's great because you need to have somebody, you know, making sure that in, in giving you some cultural benchmarks and providing a level of cultural competency, Mm -hmm. but I really want to see the private sector step up and do this. Because it's not, it has to be working in conjunction with, you know, if you are designing um, uh, infrastructure for a community, 
and you're just going there just to design, but you don't have anybody who have a conversation with that community. You have no relevancy in that community and you have to be forced, you know, by a community benefits agreement. A, a utility has to come up with that in order to make you move. Mm. That is a conversation that we have to have with our, our private sector. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, so I see it from the utilities. We work really hard. Of course, it's usually the larger utilities that are more diverse cities mm-hmm. um, or if they're dealing with more diverse populations, you know, um, whether it's the indigenous and Native Americans or, you know, those um, in highly Latino community. They, we have those conversations all the time, but we shouldn't have to mandate that something is done in a certain way. It should be incumbent and intuitive and intrinsic in our private sector consultants to say, hey, this is how we want to do our business. So that's what I want to start seeing happening. Yeah. And look at your community. You know, I mean, I think the the biggest benefit of that is that you have a, an industry at a whole industry, not just utilities to your point, mm-hmm. but the, the vendors and the um, private entities that are servicing those utilities, but that it, we all mirror the communities that are being served because it's just as important for the engineers around the table to understand the um, the makeup and the of a community of a certain community and not just you know the people who are actually treating and delivering mm-hmm. the water. So good mm-hmm. point. I love that. I don't think I've heard that that perspective. Yeah, and that's an important one to remember. I don't want the private sector to start, come at me. You all say it out of my emails. No, too. I mean, no, <laughs> no you, it's they, really, I'm happy to have the conversation with them too. <laughs> yeah, it's really important. I mean, it's, you know, put your money where your mouth is and, mm-hmm. you know, it can't just be the government agencies or the quasi-government agencies who are, you know, finally doing the right thing type of, you know, behavior. Like everyone has to do this mm-hmm. and yeah. everyone needs to do it with, I feel like a place of like genuine, genuine, uh, being genuine about <laughs> Authenticity, it. Authenticity, core value. <laughs> I, mean, I versus, got it. I know. <laughs> just versus another box to check. Like, oh, yeah, we have right. this person, right. you know, we have to do this. Like, I appreciate that, you know, just being on the women owned business side, you know, we get asked to be a part of projects, but it's because we're women, because of one thing. And I'm yeah. like, right. well, we have yeah. a brain too, you know, we yeah. have a reputation, <laughs> we have experience, you know, so yeah. um, don't just check a box. Yeah. Fully I mean, jump right in and right. And 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 that's why I say, you know, we have to have the conversation now that we're having the conversation. The first step was having the conversation. Yeah. The, the next step is how meaningful is the conversation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and I, I think that once Everyone who's in the space, um, whatever space it is, and you're addressing this, it's, you know, if, if it's not meaningful, it's not. And, and there are some people who genuinely want to do these things and they're just struggling with how to get there. So, you know, that's, you know, and, and again, that's when you start talking to folks who actually know how to have a conversation and listening to them, not dismissing what they're being was being said. from any community. Um, So I think that's important. 
Yeah. It's rarely going to be what you want to hear. <laughs> it's it's always going to probably be uncomfortable, but that's how we right. get to, to better days is mm-hmm. getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sitting through that. Absolutely. Um, are we getting into our lightning round now? We, we are. And so our lightning mm-hmm. round is just that. So don't overthink it. The first thing that pops mm-hmm. to your head and all of these questions is for some context are rooted in our core values uh, at Rogue Water. And um, yeah, so I'm going to let Ariane kick us off with the first one. Okay. Well, speaking of authenticity, authenticity. Uh, the word that wasn't coming to my brain, <laughs> um, name a moment that you have felt the most authentically you. Oh my gosh. That is really crazy. Is this personal or professional? Yeah, well, whatever you want. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I, um, I'm a dancer. Not, not like that type of dancer. I do West African dance and I actually did a class yesterday. So I'm excited to answer that. Um, whenever I, I feel authentically me when I'm dancing, nice. because dancing is like the most freeing thing. I mean, I will be in my kitchen and like, if I'm playing music in the background and like something on my playlist and I just start dancing, um, you know, I'm in my office dancing. I I promise you my admin professional thought I was a nutcase. (laughs) I mean, she still does. I love her to do that. We're cut from the same cloth, all three. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, so something like that is just when you're, it's like freeing, you know, when you're, you're authentic, when you're free. Mm -hmm. Nice. Well, this is a, this is a fill in the blank and this can be both either in person or virtual, but I'm so glad I met blank this year. Oh my gosh. I, oh my goodness. I've met so many people. I'm so happy. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I, I'm just like, really, really stop. That is stumping me. So I will say in the sector I am so glad that I was able to meet, huh, I bet it's like I met everybody before. I would, okay, I've already mentioned her, Ife, Epitayo. Yeah. Um, she and I got closer oh, last year. So I met her before in person, but she and I started working really on a group together. And um, I think she is really a wonderful person. I'm so happy to see what she's going to be doing with WEF this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. And I have to thank you for that too. <laughs> Great connector. I love, I love, I love Ify. Um, Here's a fill in the blank. Boldness looks like blank. Realness. Mm. So this goes back to your question, your question about being authentic. Mm-hmm. I, I will tell you, if you sit in a meeting with me, especially at this stage of my career and this stage of my life, when I started coming in, I was, you know, in my early 20s, law school graduate, I was always the only woman. I was only the always the only black person. I was always the youngest person. And I kind of was shrink. And I'm not a, a, a shrinking flower, but um, you're gonna get real questions and you know the demand to have like real answers from for those for my questions mm-hmm. because I feel comfortable asking them. I feel very comfortable expressing my opinion. Um so you're going to get real. You're not going to really get too much sugar coating. And right. I think that's, that's boldness. Mm-hmm. We need, we need more of that. So keep on. <laughs> yeah. All right. How do you stay curious? I read a lot. Yeah. I read about three newspapers a day, at least skim through them. Or um, I am constantly trying to learn, um, constantly reading books, um, 
and having discussions with my friends about it. So I, I read a lot. And I don't know if that's the, that's why, maybe that's why I majored in English. I was a psychology major my first year. And I was like, oh, no, this is. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I switched to English, but that's how I stay curious. I'm always reading. I'm always looking up something like Wikipedia is like a rabbit hole. But, <laughs> you know, if I say, I'm like, oh, let me click on this hyperlink. Yeah. Oh. I didn't yeah. know that. Let me click on this, you know, so yep. I'm constantly. Yeah. <laughs> I have an encyclopedia in my brain of like all this un- unneeded, trivial, you know, like Mariah Carey <laughs> knowledge or just different you things. And I'm know. like, why can't I remember the, the things that are important to my day to day? But I can't, you know, I can right. remember. Right. Right. Who Mariah Carey mm-hmm. back, dated That's back cute. in 1997. Like. <laughs> mm-hmm. my, my little Amazon. Alexa. Yeah, don't wake her up. <laughs> right. I, I say, oh, you know, when I wake up in the morning, like the, uh, my alarm is going off and I say, oh, turn off the alarm. And then it gives me a nice fact because oh, I love that. I just oh, need I a fact. <laughs> so that that's me. That's <laughs> um, what is what, what is something that you're most or you're deeply grateful for? Um, family and friends. Mm. I think that starting out again when you're trying to prove yourself you work 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 Mm -hmm. and sometimes you start taking for granted um those of you those around you who are supporting you Mm -hmm. and um that is so critical like I have a very small family um and I have a close knit group of friends and I have friends from all parts of my life that I'm just so grateful for um because that is your when you have that support network made up of those types of people Mm -hmm. even when you feel like you're failing or you're falling you're really not and you know there's a safety net for you um so that's what I'm grateful for awesome love that uh so last question uh you know some people think I'm just one person what difference does it make what what change I make it's not like it's going to change anything bigger than than me but we disagree with that because we believe that change can be contagious and you never know what you're going to inspire in in someone mm-hmm. else so what's one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe could ultimately change the world mentoring mm-hmm. oh i yeah. think that um you are being watched in a way a lot of times when you don't even know you're being watched. Mm. So you have to always think that you are mentoring someone. I, I'll give you an example. When I was a chief of staff um, in a prior um, position, I um, I have a ton of them over here. I don't want to disturb the pile, but I write in Moleskine notebooks. I don't know if yeah. they're like the little leather covered ones. And I actually, that's my little treat to myself. I get it um, engraved. Um, with some version of the beautiful life. I won't try to butcher Italian, by, but it's in <laughs> Italian, it's the beautiful life. Because like for me, my personal mantra is like, I try to make everything beautiful around me, right? It brings me peace and happiness. Mm-hmm. But I remember having a meeting and I looked up and I saw some of the younger women, a couple of the younger women in the meeting. And I'm like, they're writing in these notebooks that look curiously like mine, Right. And I'm like, and I just keep on writing. I just started smiling because I'm like, okay, y'all saw that I had this and <laughs> you're, you're doing this. And I mean, I know that's like a little trite thing, but mm-hmm. I, 
I find it so amazing. Like nowadays, I, I remember being in Annapolis pre-COVID um, and I was chatting with one of the staffers and um, there was this young black woman um, standing in a doorway of one of the um, delegates offices. She was just looking at me and I'm like kind of looking side eye at her like, why is this person staring at me? <laughs> and I remember her saying to me, are you Karen Riley? And I'm like, who is asking? Because see, I don't know how to answer this. Like, are yeah. you people talking? And she was like, oh my gosh, I've been wanting to meet you. Everybody told me that I needed to meet you. I'm like, who, me? I have no clue what I'm doing. Like, (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, and then a couple of weeks ago, I had a student. So um, I went to Syracuse for law school. And um, I was also the head, uh, one of the head TAs in um, African-American studies, TA, teaching assistants in the Department of African-American studies. And I I have forgotten, but this person did it. Um, one of the students wanted to drop out of school to go back home to handle some family business. And I was like, girl, please, what do you want to do? Be there broke, handling family bread? No, you can stay here. And, she, you know, she graduated. I haven't talked to her in almost two decades. And she messaged me on Facebook like, I would love to catch up with you because you don't remember that conversation. And I was just like, whoa, I don't, you know, but you never know who's listening and you never know who's watching and you have to take that responsibility really, really seriously. So I think that everyone should be striving, whether it's formal or informal. I have a ton of people who are my mentors. They don't know they're my mentors, but I'm looking <laughs> at them. I'm like, oh, okay, you did this like this. How did, how did you do this? You know, mm-hmm. um, they were peers, superiors, subordinates. I, I look this little, this young group, these young girls, these, these 20 somethings are nothing to play with. They are fierce. Uh, <laughs> so I'm like, like, Oh yeah, I should do that too. You know? Mm-hmm. So I think that that is really, really critical. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Uh, that's, <laughs> I don't think we've, of all the people that we've asked that mm-hmm. question, I don't know that we've heard that one. I, I, I yeah, dig I that. It. And I agree with that. But so I'm so glad that Hugh connected us. I (laughs) hope that we stay connected and see each other out and about at conferences this year. I know that we didn't get to fully connect at WefTech last year, um, but I hope that we do get to in the future. And it was so great. Thank you for taking the time to to speak with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Paul. We are so grateful for each and every one of you, all the members of our listening community. The Water in Real Life podcast is a Rogue Water Lab original. It's hosted by the H2 duo, that's us, Stephanie Corso and Ariane Shipley. It's produced by Rogue Water Lab, 12 Midnight, and Matt Black Sound. Sound design and music by Andre Black and Matt McNeil of Matt Black Sound. For more Water in Real Life, check out our YouTube channel and sign up for our lab notes. You can find both at roguewaterlab.org.